Welcome to Unsigned Hype episode 17. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to the incredible artist Twig from New York. Prior to her interview, I asked Twig which song he would play for someone that wasn't familiar with his music yet. Twig chose his song Umbra, and if you're not familiar with Twig's music yet, here's a snippet of that song before we jump into the interview. This is Unsigned Hype. The song you just heard is called Umbra by Twig, aka Juicebox, aka Josh Brownstein, who's joining me from LA today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show. Josh, why is Umbra the song you would play for someone that has never heard your music before? Miles, again, thank you for having me. Um, Umbra is a good tune, man. I think it's a, a good amalgamation of, of a bunch of different styles I'm trying to approach. And... Uh, we got a lot of good feedback from people I sent it to. So that's why I went with it. What was that feedback like? Um, I had a friend, a couple friends actually reach out and say that was their favorite track. Um, a buddy of mine said the percussion was interesting, very textural. The bass was fat. And he said the vocal, especially the kind of the scream I like to call it that happens uh, at the climax of the of the choruses. Scream is associated with a bit of I don't know, maybe not negativity, but it's it's something harsh. And to me, it sounded really deep and beautiful and emotional. And ah, I, I'm really curious to hear from you where that came from. Totally. Um, I think for me, at least, the goal with music. You said something earlier off camera about how do you describe music with words. You know, it's one of those interesting cases of it's an art form that's invisible, essentially. You know, you watch a movie, you look at a piece of artwork, you can tangibly touch it and say, oh, I like the stroke of that, the, the paintbrush or the colors that they use. But with music, it's just like you close your eyes and, and it kind of does the work for you in your own head. So it's up for interpretation in that sense. Um, but for me, yeah, man, I grew up listening to a lot of pop punk. And so for me, scream is not as much a thing of harshness. It actually equates to this kind of uh, portrayal of emotion. So I think mm -hmm. for me, the goal is to how do I express how I'm feeling in the moment of creating with my music? And, that, and that's very much time uh, accomplished with a vocal performance. And I think there's just like... Sometimes you just got to let it out, you know? And in that song especially, um, the lyrics are just find a way to go. That's the scream scream part. Mm. And it's just, it just felt right. That song, interestingly enough, I think I actually freestyled. I wrote the lyrics down after I sang them on that song and also for the song Time. 
which is rare. I don't do that often, but like those, I was just like in the zone with those two. The music told me what to say kind of moment. I like blacked out and then I was like, oh, I just <laughs> recorded that. Can, can you tell the people who are listening who might have not paid attention to all the lyrics um, in the song what the song is about and what you were feeling at that time? For Umbra? Yeah. Totally, man. Um, so at the time, I was, uh, I was dating somebody and um, we were both each other's first like serious relationship and it was beautiful and it was great. I have no nothing bad to say about it but I think it was one of those situations where we were kind of on different paths and that song especially I think I'm not alone in this as a songwriter sometimes we write songs for our future selves and it's like you don't even know what you're writing about in the moment but you listen to it later and you're like holy shit I was like telling myself something and I didn't even know Yeah, the interesting thing is, I mean, you mentioned that you didn't even write it down. So so there must yeah. have been quite quite a bit of stuff happening inside of you to let that thing out. Also something that is so intimate relating to a relationship of yours. Definitely. I think I just, something deep inside told me that, like, we were going to break up. And um, there's a lyric at the end of the song that just repeats over and over and over again. And it goes, I already gave every ounce of me. Why aren't we crossing the boundary? And it was just like one of those, like we both gave it everything we had, but like maybe this isn't it, you know? Um, and there's a bunch of other kind of metaphorical lyrics in that song. The first line of the song is not the hair. Please take my mind. My hair's thinning out a little bit. I'm getting older. And it's just like, yo, I'm an overthinking dude. Like, take that part. Don't take the hair, man. <laughs> I don't want to be suavecito all day. But <laughs> <laughs> what I found so interesting when I was when I was looking at your your story and your journey um, is obviously Twig is is a new pseudonym. Mm -hmm. um, it's a new artistic persona of yours. So you are Josh. Bronstein, the human being, and you are also the artist Juicebox, um, and Juicebox is one half of the group Figmore. Mm -hmm. um, you also have a you also have a group, a duo alongside Ten Four Raj, um, and now this album comes under the name Twig, under the artist name Twig, alongside Juicebox. Mm -hmm. uh, did I get that right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and. Twig appeared for the first time, I think, at least the, the, the name Twig or the, the, the title, song title Twig in a release of yours in 2021, uh, Overthin King. And I, I'm curious now to hear from you, why, why do you bring Twig back two years later and who is Twig? Could you put that into words? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, I see you on your Nardwar shit. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I think, um, Overthin King actually in my mind is kind of like a twig, like the first twig record in a way. Um, because I, there's one song on there that, that maybe not so much or a couple actually, but, um, I digress. Yeah. That, that sound of Overthin King was definitely more in, in this realm of, of exploring more kind of singer songwritery stuff. 
uh, definitely has a, a tinge of of the psych rock in there. But uh, the last song was called Twig with two T's, and it stands for That's the Way It Goes. And I'm a, a notes freak. Like, if you were to look at my iPhone, my notes app, I have like a bajillion things, super organized. I got a whole tab for just random lyrics that'll come into my head. I'll write something down. I have a tab called Ideas, where it's just a word that tickles my fancy or a phrase, just something that makes me be like, oh, that's cool. And like many a time I'll make music and I'll open the notes and I'll see a word and that'll just spark an entire creation. So Mm -hmm. I'm always writing things down. And twig with two T's, all lowercase, always looked really good. It always just like felt good. (laughs) You know, you see something on paper, just visually, and you're like, that just like feels good. Like, um, but yeah, I think that just... I've I've been the self-proclaimed Ellen DeGeneres with the juice box stuff. And it's like, I stand by that forever. You know, sometimes I have a lot to say. And the best way to articulate that is by rapping. Sometimes mm. I'm really sad and I want to sing a slow falsetto song. And other times I don't really have much to say, but I feel so much I just make an instrumental. Like all genre, it's all good, you know, like create from a place of just expressing how you feel in the moment. But I did want, it felt like this new kind of music I was making deserved a, a branch, another branch to put another kind of roof over it. And I, I love that story. And I, and I, I obviously came along the, the Ellen, the genreless thing, obviously play on words for the people that don't know Ellen DeGeneres, a former talk show host and the the fact that you that you call yourself Ellen de genreless so not really abiding to any genre and not wanting to be boxed in um totally. why is that i think that's like human i don't think anyone likes to be boxed you, you meet someone and they're like yo you do this and that's all you do it's like no i don't mm-hmm. so i think it's it's part partly that but i think it's also you know, there was a point growing up where I was like, I'm a rapper and I box myself in, but I would sing my own hooks and I enjoyed singing and I had people around me who were like, you do this, dude, stick to that, stay in the lane, do this, do that. And it was like, well, I don't always feel like doing that. You know, we're multidimensional beings. So we, we don't just feel happy all the time. We feel a myriad of emotions every day. I mean, in 20 minutes, in this day and age, I mean, just by scrolling on your phone, you can feel a million different emotions in, in the span of, you know, no time. So why would you not want to be able to express yourself fully to not limit yourself? Like if you feel like singing, sing. If you feel like rapping, rap. If you feel like making a beat, if you feel like playing the sitar, if you feel, you know what I mean? Just like do whatever, man. Like experiment, Absolutely. enjoy, have fun with it. That's the whole point. The the one thing though that I have to say that I've that I've noticed and that I found interesting, so so you know, the melodic approach and you singing, that's always been a part of what you do. But for people that might hear Umbra, your song for the first time now and might have never heard your music before, they don't know how or what kind of skilled MC you also are. The mm. thing is, on this release, you didn't even rap, even though on all your previous releases there was always some rapping involved. Yeah, I think for me. Because 
maybe it's a double-edged sword sometimes with juice box stuff is like if I just told someone, yeah, I check me out, I'm juice box, and they go on my Spotify, like depending on what song they click on, they might love it or they might hate it, but there's something for everyone under that name. You just gotta dig. I have a you know, a release with a, a buddy of mine from Germany named Leave, and it's like a drum and bass record. But if you didn't click on that first, you might have heard the record I put out called Anthology, which is like a SoundCloud greatest hits, and that's like all like I don't even recognize myself on that one. You know what I mean? So it's like with Twig, it felt like a cool way to be like, hey, like if you like this sound, come here for it. You know, you can find it in in the juice box space, but it for an organization guy like me, it kind of it feels nice to be like, cool, like I can like kind of uh you know, do some filing and be like, okay, this is Twig and this That's is Juice Box and this is Figmore and this is, you know what I mean? To me, this, your evolution is, is really incredible. And, and from what I know, it, you know, it, it dates back to 2005, you know, you finding your love for the Tribe Called Quest and, you know, oh, hearing man. Five Dog on a, on a, on a, on a track and wanting to rap yourself and you pick up a mic, um, and then 2008. Well, let's actually let's let's stick with that. You know, um, okay. starting as a rapper, um, I think you, you even had another pseudonym back then. Another artist name was JBX, I think. Um, yeah, man. Uh, who? How did you start with that? Like, what was what was your the reason for you to pick up that mic and and rapping? And then with that, was that hard for you? Was that a challenge, or was it just something that you did and kind of you know not cared about the quality when you started? That's an incredible question. Um, I would again, I'd, I'd have to take it back to the Genesis and go a little bit before that, to be honest. Um, my first intro to music was the trumpet. And I was in fourth grade. Um, and I had a teacher named Mr. Piaquadio, Mr. P. That's my boy. That is my guy. We idolized this man. He was so cool. Um, and I had a friend who... Uh, who was in the jazz band in fourth grade, two friends. And they were like, dude, join the jazz band. And I was like, I don't play anything. And they're like, it's fine. Like, we'll, we'll teach you. You'll get it. So I'll never forget this, man. I went over to my buddy Gideon's house and he took his trumpet out and he's like, dude, I'm going to show you something. And if you learn it, we'll take it to Mr. P and he'll, he'll, he'll like bring you into the jazz band. I promise it's going to take you a long time though. You got to be patient. Okay. So he picks up his trumpet and he goes, and he's like, all right, like, like, take your time with it. And he, and he passed it to me and I did it first try. And he's like, dude, why that took me like three months to learn. How did you do that? And I was the guy just like, washed your fingers and I figured it out. So I brought it to Mr. P. I joined the band and was just obsessed with music. Me and my friends would just, my friend Faz, who's an, an incredible musician as well. I met him in fourth grade. He was playing drums. We would play music all day, every day. During our lunch break at recess, we wouldn't go outside and play. We'd go into Mr. P's office and listen to jazz. And it just engulfed our entire lives and our entire business. Just music was just everything. And it was at that time where like, you especially couldn't put... Where if someone asked you, like, why do you do it? You'd just be like, I, mm. I love it. I don't know. Mm. Um, 
so from there, that was kind of the, the genesis of it, not to bring it too far back. But um, yeah, fast forward, my best friend Liam, who uh, is also an incredible musician, um, we're in his car, or his parents are driving us to dinner, and I'm in the backseat, and he has an iPod Classic, and he is like, he's put me onto so much music and has been um, pretty much a mentor to me, in, in all honesty, in terms of um, production and, and songwriting and just a lot of things. Um, and he passed me an earphone and he played Oh My God by Tribe Called Quest. And this was 2005, give or take. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? I never heard anything that like made me like feel like that. And that was the moment where I was like, I want to do that. Like I heard Fife Dogs, like it's just so charismatic and just the delivery, the beat was crazy. Like, and from there, I kind of started to rap. And coming from uh, a place called Austining, New York, which is that song that we were talking about earlier. Um, it's 40 minutes north of New York City. And so there's this really interesting dynamic of like suburbia, but like so close to the city that like we were heavily influenced by everything that was going on during that time. And I will always forever be grateful to grow up in a town like that. And hence the song Austin Abrogado of me just saying thank you in as many languages as possible to this place that literally raised me and made me who I am. Every single um, nationality, creed, religion, I mean, the background of the people who lived in this town spanned across the entire spectrum and it was beautiful. And it was one of those kind of bubble situations where I didn't know that the rest of the world wasn't like that. We were friends with everybody. There was no prejudice. There was no, like, I didn't really experience seeing racism or anything like that until like I left my hometown and was like, what are you guys talking about? So it was that kind of background and upbringing. And this is a long winded answer. Bear with me here. Um, But you had kind of asked, was that difficult? And it wasn't because there was no like you should be doing this you should be doing that it was just like word yeah rap is cool do it and so i kind of came up like people would look at me and be like eh, what you do what and then i'd rap and they'd be like oh oh shit white boy's nice <laughs> you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah. it just kind of grew and and it's just like anything i did nothing but rap i did nothing but write I listened to instrumentals all day. I freestyled. I just put my. You 10, produced out. fairly quickly as well, right? I mean, you have the OA tape that that you put yeah, out that you actually totally. put out way later. Um, yeah. Your first kind of instrumental album. Yes. Is that, would that be accurate? Um, um, I those are all beats that I kind of put together after the fact, but they're all from around that time. And again, all credit due to um to my boy Liam because he was kind of the producer of our group. And so he was making beats in GarageBand and I was just kind of over his shoulder like, what's that? What did you do? How do you do that? What did <laughs> and so he kind of showed me the ropes and then I just kind of was like, okay, cool. And kind of took it in my own direction and, and uh, just grew from there.
This was Twig's song Time, and now back to the interview. I mean, you you did re you did record a couple mixtapes in the beginning, I think, like oh. in oh nine or ten, I think. There's no um, way you heard those. No, <laughs> why? Yeah. Bad, like, wasn't there one like called Epiphany or some Epiphany something? Wow! Um, oh my god! Is that is that um, was that the first mixtape that you put out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I sold that in high school. I was flipping CDs. It was like five bucks for a CD or something. Do you still have that somewhere? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have everything. I have everything I've ever created on my. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, man. We just we we were just we had a bunch of different groups. Again, the the guys I mentioned, Liam and Faz, were kind of mm. um, to this day still collaborators. But back then, we were just like an inseparable music squad. And we went through mm. a, a myriad of. I use myriad already. We went through a plethora, <laughs> a plethora, <laughs> went through a plethora of different kind of artist names and groups, but we always were making music together and kind of built an, a name for ourselves out in, in Austin, kind of like some hometown hero type shit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, man. People already giving, people already giving feedback to that or is it more like, Hell hey, yeah. cool, like I have your CD and what, what do people say about, about these first records that you have out there somewhere i mean we were people. we had a really really interesting high school experience you ever seen the movie dazed and confused yeah of course it was like that dude like i'm not even i'm not even bullshitting man like we had the closest knit group of friends it was incredible and like my parents even to this day are like you guys were like special like that it's like rare like all of our I'm in a book club with my boys from high school at the moment. Like we are all still in touch. Like I remember going to college and people being like, Oh, I hated high school. And I was like, that was the best time of my life. Like, yeah, I agree. Just, Actually as a, as a side note, I have to say that that's yeah. why that's, that's what I thought was so amazing about you is the, you, I can feel and sense and everything that you've put out both your music, but also you know, on any platform that you're on is that the sense of nostalgia that you have. So That's, very much like connected yeah. to your 90s time and growing up and being in high school. And that's something that I personally can really relate to because I've had the same experience. I've, I've always loved high school. And so I think, yeah, you, I can sense that in your music also. And I think that's amazing. That's just like a, a side note. But yeah, keep, yeah, keep, keep to going. To flip the script on you really quick, what year were you born? Uh, 89. Okay, yeah, so I'm 91. Yeah. So it's yeah. that there is that time of like the early 2000s, uh, young enough and old enough at the same time to kind of soak up that late 90s, but that is that's yeah. Twig to tie a bow on all this. Like Twig to me is like how do I capture the nostalgia? That's the best feeling. It's not is it not you hear that song from when you were 14 or 18 whatever it is and you it just takes you back to a time and place. That's what connected me with this album so much is the I feeling of nostalgia. That, I don't know how you did it, but you did it, you know? Especially well, Umbra, think, especially Umbra. Yeah, man. I don't think I know how I did it either. And that's what I love about mm. music is this mysterious, invisible enigma. Mm. You just got to surrender to it. I yeah. like find myself being like, when the fuck did I make any of this? I don't remember doing this. And you just kind of like black out. It's like when you go into that zone, it's just like you're you're traversing through the portal that is the pocket and 
snap and oh wow, where mm. I forgot to eat lunch. <laughs> it's dark outside. But wow, oh, I recorded three songs today. Let's listen back. Whoa, when when did I do that? You know? Yeah. That's the goal, That's man. Amazing. That's the goal. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, let's um, let's let's stick a little bit with the with the this. I mean, I, I kind of sidetracked you there because you were in the middle of telling <laughs> me a story. I think, um, but so high school, you know, selling first mixtapes, um, making beats, you know, getting into you know getting getting to know your artistic self basically and really discovering what you what you can do. Mm -hmm. um, then there's no real re releases. I mean, obviously, I, th I guess you're recording music all the time, but um, there's no real releases until like 20, 2013. And that's kind of where you put out um, the song, What's Love, I think. And then, um, so yeah, you released that song on SoundCloud. And then, you know, you released songs here and there, but your first real album, your your debut LP, totally self-produced, comes out in 2017. Um, so the the thing I'm I'm trying to get at is, in between, in all those years of not really of getting yourself ready to release that first album, what is happening? Are you taking that time to really learn your craft and and are you evaluating yourself like how good you are until the point where you're like, okay, it's 2017, I can release an album now. Like, what's the process there? Yeah, man. Um, I think that there is this aspect of like, there's no way you would know this, but I was putting out mixtapes. Um, and this is back in the, you know, mediafire.com and Zshare. <laughs> I was like putting up links. This Missed was like days. the kind of Facebook era. Yeah, dude, those are good times, man. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I definitely did a bunch of, you know, rapping and singing hooks over like industry beats. I can think of at least three mixtapes I did in, in, in like the college days and, you know, sent those links out and posted on the Facebook and, and had, you know, quote unquote, some fans back in Austin and stuff listening and, and supporting. And I studied abroad in London in 2012 and played some, did an open mic there for the first time and, and like kind of spread out the music and, and met people. So I was always creating and, uh, and making music and putting music out. Um, I think definitely that sweet, sweet golden era of the SoundCloud days or what was it you know 2013 or so i was definitely dropping yeah. a lot and would definitely have to you know accredit that to a lot of my um uh success isn't the word i want to use but i guess just kind of like helping me get out there in front of more people um is that the goal at that time like like because i understand as a creative and as an artist you you create and you want that stuff out some of which some some stuff sometimes not, but most of the stuff you want out there for the people. What's the what's the motivation behind that for you? Is that I I want to build a fan base. I want to get to success. I want to yeah. hit the million streams. What's your <laughs> what's your goal behind all that? Back it's then? funny, man. I I think growing up it was completely different. I think when I was young and living in that bubble, like I wanted to have this giant, you know. Uh, the fame and success and money and da 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 da. But the older I got and the more that I kind of realized who I was and what I wanted to do, it was more of just like, I just need to do this. Like, if I didn't have me, this is how I express myself. So, like, if I don't have this, anything that comes from it, amazing. It's a bonus, it's a cherry on top. But, like, that's been more so 
Like if it reaches one person and they love it and they reach out, that's incredible. If it reaches a thousand, it's the same thing. It doesn't really, the scale isn't what determines the value. The value comes from within. Like if you had fun and enjoyed and like got off what you wanted to get off and said what was on your heart at that time when you made the music, like that's the thing for me is to like, I feel this right now. Let me record it and just put it out there. And it lives forever. How many times have we discovered a record from like the 60s that we'd never heard before? And then you listen to it and you're like, this is my new favorite shit. It's because someone like someone put that out. And it's now that it's out, someone can discover it and, and it can inspire and it can and it can be your new favorite thing. When you mentioned the thing about, you know, this need to express yourself and putting things out there, there's so many different ways that we can, you know, we can write things down, we can journal, we can, we can do so many different things to express ourselves and share our emotions. Why is it music for you? Like what makes music different from other forms of expression in your opinion? It's just feeling. It's the same. It's almost kind of going back to that metaphor of, of this invisible art form. It's like, how many songs have you heard or records that you've run front to back uninterrupted that you feel seen? Someone's saying, oh man, I wish I said that. That's how I feel. They said it. That's exactly like, whether they said it or or there's a chord or something, it's just like the best way in my mind to like express um, how we feel. There's uh, one of my heroes, Alan Watts. He has this kind of bit about um, the idea that words are clumsy. I actually wrote, there's an tw unreleased Twig song called Words Are Clumsy that'll come out someday. But um, it's essentially this idea of like, Uh, he he says it so much more eloquently than I'm going to do it. And he has like the most badass British accent ever. But anyways, um, he essentially goes along to say that let's, let's think about a guy and he's madly in love with this woman and he wants to express how much he loves her. Now, if this guy is a poet, He's going to have a way better chance of getting across how he feels to a, a grander population than a guy who's like not that articulate, right? But that doesn't take away the fact that if the guy isn't articulate, that doesn't m mean he doesn't love this woman just as much. He just doesn't have like the, the tools in his toolkit to express it as eloquently, right? So it's this idea of like, Words are clumsy. Words are never going to be able to express a feeling or, or an experience quite like actually experiencing it. But God damn it, do we try? You know, I think that's the human way is for us to try our best. And that's through art. That's what art is to me. And I know you've been through it too. And, and here's my take on it mm. in this visual or audio or textual explanation. And, and then we, let's talk about it. But words are clumsy. So we're going to talk and it's, it's going to miss the mark, but we're going to do our damnedest to, to get it across.
This was Twig's song Once in a While. And now back to the interview. This is some, something I talk to a lot of artists about is this this idea of risk taking. And I and I think you have actually this this beautiful story of your, you know, your your move from New York where you're from to LA and um, on your, I think your first instrumental album was uh, Circadian Rhythm, where you, where you have this sample from a conference call, which was your last job. You used to work for a real estate company, That's true. and you sampled that last conference call, um, kind of also as like a symbolic way of saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm cutting off this part of my life, and I'm going to pursue music, and that's all so I'm going to do." Um, how, how? Is that risky? Is that is that is that difficult for you to do? Especially you saying that it's very hard to make money out there, and being an independent artist is is connected with many many challenges. How do you navigate through that? Yeah, dude, it's funny. I I worked in yeah that commercial real estate job. I worked. I was there for five years, and four of those five years, I was um, you know living with my parents still. So I saved a lot of money. I would not have been able to move to LA and and kind of pursue what I was doing here if I didn't do that. But I was always making music those five years as well. You know, it wasn't like that was like a, a pause in the in the process or anything. Um, yeah, definitely a risk. I mean, any move is a risk, um, but it's exciting and it's exhilarating and it's different and it's new and life is short and and why not go for it? You know, what made you want to do it? Well, uh, my oh, could, could you have seen a possibility of keeping the job and pursuing music on the mm-hmm. side? Is that not a, an option? No, it was a ticking time bomb. That job was, I mean, money wise, it was incredible. I made a lot, um, but I was essentially like a landlord. I was collecting rents for. Uh, I worked for a commercial real estate company. It was a mall developer, and I would like sign that you know, leases for inline stores and kiosks and things like that in malls. So I was like collecting rent checks from people and canvassing and doing paperwork and contract. It was just like I would, you know, I had to wear a button up and slacks and, you know, my boss would be like, get a haircut, dude. You look like a pothead. <laughs> and I was like, because I am a pothead. <laughs> What do you mean, man? At the time, at least. And, um, Yeah, I would sometimes just get a glimpse of myself in the mirror and be like, what are you doing, dude? But then at the same time, it was like I was saving up a nice nest egg to be able to like really follow a dream. So, you know, there's this, I think, especially now, this whole conversation of like, it's okay to have a day job or quote unquote real job, whatever that means. Um. Just don't, I was just always making, it was never a question of like, if I do this, I can't do music. It was like, I'm doing music no matter what. But that was like, okay, five years, I had a lot of money. I moved out and I didn't work for a year in LA. I took a year, I just made music and met. That was going to be my next question. Like, what's the first thing you do when you, I mean, obviously you make music all day. That was a good year, man. I just, dude, it was amazing. I'd wake up whenever. And then I I live in I live in California now. I'm gonna go drive to the mountains, go hike in a yeah. place that's two hour drive. I don't care. I don't have anywhere to be. Sure, <laughs> drive two hours, go to a random hike, go hiking, go to the beach, 
go to San Diego, go up north to San Francisco, just travel and, and experience nature and and just uh make a shit ton of music and that was the first time i ever had my own like full studio set up so that's the first time i ever like really properly by myself because i was in a band um but like i i mic'd up my drum kit and i had all my guitars and and like set up my room and like got better at mixing and and like really honed in on the craft and i had the time there was like no sense of like guilt really it was like go when you feel it get in there and make it and if you're not feeling it great go for the hike go jump in the ocean go do what you need to do to i always liken it to like uh i'm a big tony hawk guy i played tony hawk growing up so much that Love he, it. i always think of the special meter and yeah, i yeah. liken that to like your inspiration as a creative it doesn't have to be a musician but like i don't believe in writer's block if your meter is at zero, go out and live your life. Go hiking, mm-hmm. go meditate, go try a new psychedelic. What? D- do whatever you need to do. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Um, explore, have fun, navigate, try new things, watch movies, read books, just try and get inspired. And slowly but surely, that meter's going to go. And when it reaches the top and it starts blinking and you got your special, get in the studio get in your art pad, whatever your creative endeavor is, that's when you got to, okay, it's time. Time is a song killer. Like you got to hit when the, when, when the, when it's hot. So that's how it works for you. Building that up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, there's dude, I don't know how, but like, I like, I, I binge watch TV shows. I, I slack off plenty, but I also have so much music, hmm. but it's just that, getting in there when when the iron's hot and like being productive and then listening to your body when it's time for a reset or a break or a rest and you re- rebuild that recharge that special meter and then you jump back in it's just a cycle you were just mentioning a, a couple minutes ago you were mentioning the word guilty um, and i think what you yeah. were trying to get at was the feeling of guilt while having something a side job or something else to do what did you mean when you mentioned the word guilty i I'm think sure I really yeah i think in in the um the the way that i just used it earlier i think i was thinking more so of when i didn't have the job and i moved to la there was this sense of like damn like i gotta take full ad- advantage of this time And if I'm not any minute not making music, there was a voice in my head that was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you have to get back in there and do it. Mm. It was this sense of like... But why? Why do you think that voice told you that? Who knows, man? I think that's... It's the nagging voice in my head that's just like, dude. So this was not... This was not like existentially motivated in terms of you need to get somewhere. This was more your creative self telling you yourself you need to create. Because to me, it sounded like a little bit of pressure because you don't have the job anymore. So you do right, have right. the kind you'd of financial that. pressure yeah, as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's, again, it's, it's a whole mixed bag of, of, of things. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I, I think it was a lot to do with, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time was working and, and like trying to find jobs and she was kind of struggling a bit and she didn't save up as much as me. And so there was this kind of, 
Yeah, I don't have to get into that too much, but um, no, it's yeah, all good. It's all good. Also, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to keep hinting at the fact that you that you're no, financially motivated. That's not my intention. No, let's talk you know? about no. It wasn't. It wasn't anything to do with financial at all. It was more so from a place of like, you have the time now to make as much music. If you're not making it, like you're wasting your time, and that's where the guilt was. Yeah. Like you have this incredible like privilege and opportunity that you're like you've saved all this up. You need to be in there. Da 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 da. And I definitely, you know, I made a dent. I definitely made a lot of music during that time. Mm. But I, when I think back on it, I've always made a lot of music. That's never been a problem for me. Which I like. Knock on what? Thank God. You know, I'll. Uh, it's incredible. I'm super grateful. I don't know where it comes from or why it is, but let's I don't I don't need to question it if it's working. Yeah. Let's just go with the flow, you know. I I do want to get back to to um obviously to your your newest album, Mindless sure. Meadow, that we've talked about a little bit in the beginning and um so you your your many many releases deep at this point you've released a lot of music over the last couple of years and in the process of making that album i'm wondering what you've what new thing you've learned about yourself as an artist Ooh, new thing i've learned as an artist um or about yourself as a person I think it just it's just like doubling down on that like Alan Dejarmelis mind state of like if you feel an emotion like make it while it's fresh. Mm. Like time is a song killer. If I'm really sad about something and I want like tap into that and write it and get it recorded and then it's there like that moment is captured. In in the in in effect, you can go back to it three weeks later and mix it and add the drums and add the bass and stuff. But that initial emotion was captured at the time that you were feeling it most. That's something I've learned to really tap into more over the past couple of years. Is like if you're feeling it and, and it's fresh, like get it down then and there. Don't let the words sit on the paper and ruminate it on. To do a demo like. I don't really ever have demos to be honest. Like they always turn into the final thing. Like I like the rawness. That's something years ago I used to be way more nitpicky about like hitting the every note perfectly and it's got to be perfect and like really mm. perfectionism is the downfall of so much uh creative output I think. And so I learned to embrace And I think this ties back into what we're talking about, about nostalgia is like, maybe I didn't hit the note perfectly, but the emotion was perfect. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have the feeling behind it and the intention to be on point than like a stickler about like, I'm a little sharp mm. or, you know, or, or like that snares like a little weird. It's like, I like those Those mistakes are what like make inter like interesting music and interesting choices. So those happy oh, mistakes. So, I so, love that shit. So you you don't if if you were to hear a mistake in the final mixes, that's something that you really embrace rather than being too critical of yourself. It, it depends on what it is. Yeah. Um. But most of the time, 
I I would I lean into the imperfection as a as a uh, a beacon of like it's this is me. It's like the most beautiful way to be vulnerable and be like feel unique, you know. Um, Absolutely, I think that that's that's crucial. I think it's important to not. And I also, this isn't as big of a factor, but I do think about recreating things in a live setting. You get people who go crazy in the studio and nitpick and they'll auto-tune in to do this and that. And then you see them live and they fucking suck. <laughs> and you're mm. like, yo. Yeah, for sure. If you recorded it how it was raw and how it felt like... And then, you know, again, there are certain things that call for tweaks and edits and using things as a more textural tool. Like I've used Autotune before as like a textural tool and things like that. But I tend to lean more into like, let's just get it to feel good. Let's throw out this like, it has to be perfect. Because I think the imperfections is what makes people be like, whoa, this is cool. Mm. This is different. Like this is unique to this person who made it, you know? When do you know that something's, that a body of work is done? Is that possible for you to describe? Like, do you have your own way of assessing when you're done with it? Is it just... Oh, that's a good question. It's a feeling, man. Hmm. I think a lot of the time um, I'll make something and then you just know. When you know, you know. You know, yeah. is, is what, you know, you know, um, it's just one of those things. Um, I think that there's a lot of cases where something will be 75, 80% done and I'll give it some space. And then maybe a week later, I'll take it outside of my studio. I'll go for a hike and I'll listen in headphones. And it it's just like, the goal is to get out of your head, which is so hard for me, especially, mm. but the goal is to just get out and listen to the song to let the song tell you what needs to be done. And that's like a form of awareness and meditation in a way that like you can listen to it from that kind of third eye or, or a bird's eye view rather. And be like, Oh yeah, no, it needs a bass fill at this part. Uh, yeah. It felt a little boring right there. Yeah. That's why. Okay. And then write it down. Okay. Bass at one minute, 20 seconds. We'll do that. And you know, ah, this part feels a little weird. Oh, you know, if I added some harmonies, like it kind of tells you what needs to be done, but you need to shut up and listen. Yeah. I love sharing my stuff too. That's huge. I don't think enough artists do that. I think people are feedback, way too. Oh my God, dude, send your shit to, to your friends. Yeah. All of my friends are incredible musicians. I'm the most blessed guy ever. <laughs> I'm friends with 104 Raj, West Wax, you know, like all these guys. Like it's like I can send it to these people and and I feel like I've built it to the point where most of the time I know what I need to do, but there are certain songs where I'm just like, I this is like I love this, but what is wrong with it? I can't get the mix. Right, da, da, da. I'll send it to Raj and he'll be like, yo, the, the bass is muddy a little bit. Cut out some low end. And I'll be like, oh my God, duh. And then I'll go in and I'll do it. And that's, yeah. yeah sometimes we get too close to our own creations as, as artists. And it's like, it's okay to send it to someone and ask for help. Like, that's why I love collaborating in the sense of like sharing it with someone and getting feedback, but also creating with someone and taking the load off and having that kind of ping pong back and forth of ideas. And 
It's the best, man. It's the best. This idea of being so close, uh, artists being so close to their creations, I find really interesting because so you spend so much time working on a project and then the project is out and you share it with the people and you promote it. What's the relationship you then develop with your projects? Yeah, I think... Um when a record's coming out, I try not to listen. Like when it's done, I try not to listen to it. And then when it's out, when it's released again, I'll, I'll front to back it uninterrupted. And I did that with Mindless Metal. It's been done since 2020. I made the, I made Mindless Metal in like a month, maybe. That was oh, during wow. the, the pandemic. I was just bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, bong. I was in the zone and I was feeling a certain thing. And each song, just I just kept making songs. And I was like, wow, this fits with the song I made yesterday. Ooh, this fits with the song I made yesterday. Ooh. And then I was like, oh shit, I have an album. So why, why release it this year? Um, you know, sometimes things get a little backed up and I didn't sign um the deal until like a year after that anyway. And so, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts and and you want to make sure that you get the mixes right and you gotta factor in the mastering and artwork and animations and all those types of things. So I kind of s- stepped back from it. And it came out and I listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, I made that. I did that. Like, I love this record, man. Like you, it's really, this, this record really is my baby. Like it feels like my, my jumping point. It feels like the birth, it's the birth of Twig. And I love this record, man. It, it, my soul lives inside of this record. And that's, it's, the goal is to make timeless music. And, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel, I feel like I did that with this record. I really feel I very proud of this piece of work. And I'm like, I feel like you could run this 20 years from now and it'll hit the same way as it does. And that's what my favorite records do for me. And that's always been my goal is to like, make a record that inspires someone else to do something creatively or just to make someone feel the feeling or just make them think, think about something deeply and, and feel something deeply. I want to feel, I don't be numbed out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So for I sure. love this record, man. I really do. Yeah. As you, as you should. I mean, it, it is, as I mentioned to you earlier, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, really you, incredible. It's all self-produced as well, right? I mean, that is correct. Um, yeah, you all self-produced, and this, this. I'm not sure how well this this question fits in here, but I, something that I'm curious about, and I'm I'm getting to to my my final questions here. Sure. Um, something that I thought was amazing is is the, the fact that you've worked with producers overseas. So you have oh, Flitz and Zuppe, yeah. Zuppe, for yes, example, from Cologne. It's my boy. Um, yeah, very boom bappy. He's a he's great a, like, producer, a legend in his own right, though very well respected and an absolute yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. sweetheart, meine Freunde. <laughs> how did how does that? So I mean, you have you have him, you have uh, Vink from Amsterdam, you have <laughs> someone yeah. from your time in London, for example. You so you've really worked with a lot of people from overseas, and I'm wondering Definitely. where this. What what is it about working with producers from overseas? Like, what do they give you oh, a different man. vibe that you don't really get in the U.S., for example? Yeah, man. I think um, I I was blessed enough to grow up traveling a lot. My family um, 
we traveled all the time. And I think it's such an important part of being a human being is to like travel and experience different cultures and meet new people and gain new perspectives. And like, there's actually a line on one of the tracks that me and Flitz put, put out. I'll see if I can paraphrase. I don't know if I remember. It was essentially, um, if you don't contradict yourself, your position isn't complex enough. Which is a quote from a, a, a psychologist somewhere or something like that. But essentially this idea of like, if you change your mind, that's amazing because someone showed you something that you didn't know. You gain more knowledge and then you, you like shift perspective. Like that's, that's growth. And so whenever I've made music with people not from this country, like it's just a different energy in the room and a different perspective. And a lot of times like in collaboration, before we even get to music, we'll just like chill We'll talk about life and go for a walk, have a beer, whatever it is. And then you get in the studio and whatever you were talking about kind of seeps into the music. Now, that's not always the case. I mean, the first record I did with with Flitz is called Nebel, and that was all done just through the internet. I never even seen his face before, let alone heard his voice. Like We were just like emailing and Facebook messaging back and forth. And that's how that happened. But then I went, now I have a friend in, in Cologne. I'm coming out there, man. Here I come. And then I flew out there and we made Equilibrium. So I love traveling. Um, yeah, man, it's the best. Who are, who are unsigned hypes to you? Who are artists that you believe deserve oh, more attention and are still flying under the radar way too much? I'll name a bunch, man. Again, like all of my friends are incredible musicians. Um, I mentioned him a bunch already. My friend, my best friend, my brother, Liam, he goes by West Wax. I have a bunch of music with him. And he actually has a new pseudonym as well called Virtual Pink. He put out his first EP uh, earlier this year. It's incredible. He's sitting on a West Wax project and a, uh, uh, or not sitting, rather uh, finishing up a West Wax project and in an, a full length virtual pink. So definitely got to tap in with him. Um, another a, a guy I met through SoundCloud, uh, Dylan Kidd, is incredible. He a genius level um, musician. Um, he's amazing. Everyone should check him out. Uh, my boy Faz Lone. Uh, has a full length. He's working on a second full length. Um, man, there's so many people. Uh, there's a group in London called Billy Dukes. They're working on a, on a follow-up record. They're incredible. Uh, man, my boy Penn Francis. Uh, there's so many, man. There's so many people. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's hard. Well, well yeah. Yeah. Thank, thanks for thanks for sharing. Um, I think it's always cool to discover course, new man. new artists for sure. Um, yeah, maybe as a as a final question, um, you know the the many years of you doing this and and going through the the highs, but also definitely some lows that independent artists go through to to build their career in music. What's what's this all for? What do you do this all for? Again, man, it's just to express myself and have fun. Everything else is a bonus. That's just how I, how I need to look at it. Um, I just want to make good music. I just want to make timeless shit and have fun doing it and connect with people and travel and just be happy. <laughs> 
Josh, thank you so much for this uh, really amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Danke schön. This was Unsigned Hype episode 17 with Twig. The track you're hearing right now is called Arsening. You will find the song in the Unsigned Hype podcast playlist along with all other songs discussed in this episode. Make sure to support Twig by checking out his music and following him on social media. And for your weekly Unsigned Hype, make sure to also follow us on Spotify and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below.